0: Uh, but today I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about uh, mothers, in in the victory of a mother's faith. But you know one of the I'm telling you because faith is powerful in a mother, but one of the challenges is fear. You know, and I and, well I wanted to say something funny. I wanted to talk about fear, and and I couldn't find anything um, with a little bit of levity about fear, so I said, oh, well I'll just. Talk about something that i read before and it's about a woman named miss monroe and miss monroe she lives in darlington maryland now she is a mother of eight children yeah that's a lot of kids and except for a few interesting experiments and she's a mother of eight children except for a few interesting experiences. She's just like any other mother across America. She came home one afternoon from the grocery store and walked into her home. Everything looked pretty much the same, though it was a bit quieter than usual. You know, if your house quiet and you got eight kids, um, yep, yeah, something, something up. So she looked into the middle of the living room and five of her little darlings was sitting around in a circle, exceedingly quiet doing something in the middle of that circle. She walked over there, she put down the groceries and walked over there closely and saw that they were playing with five of the cutest little skunks you ever <laughs> seen in your life. <laughs> she was instantly terrified and yelled, Run, children, run! Each child grabbed a skunk and ran in five different directions. She was beside herself and screamed louder, ah! And it's so scared the children that each one squeezed a skunk. And as y'all all know, skunks don't like to be squeezed. Boy, now that was one of the smelliest houses for a long time. Because if y'all know, like, if you ain't never been sprayed by a skunk, you ain't lived until you've been sprayed by a skunk. <laughs> that's some of the stinkiest stuff you ever smelled in your life. So that's how fear, Instead, because see, the mother could have handled it a little better. You know, but she was scared. And something that, that she could have just said, now, babies, I want you to grab your little skunks and take them outside and let them go out there. The worst would have happened, you know, maybe the kids get sprayed. But if you get skunk spray, your whole house, you're dealing with that for a long time. <laughs> now, your fear done messed you up, done messed your house up, and now you've got something to deal with for a while. Now, we're going to talk about the opposite side of that. I want to talk about how the most powerful and influential force on the earth today is the faith of a godly mother. The most powerful, influential force on this earth today is the faith of a godly mother. Turn with me to Hebrews 11, you know, that great faith chapter. And we're going to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to verse 23. When you get there, say amen. And I'm going to read uh, from 23 to 27. And it starts, it says, and I'm reading it in the NIV. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Did I start at 23? I I, I missed something. Okay, here we go. About 23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him. There you go. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. If y'all not familiar, the, the king's they wanted all of the little babies, them Hebrew babies, born, born firstborn uh, Hebrew, the youngest Hebrew children murdered. They wanted to kill them. Wanted all of them kids, it was like they're having too many babies, and these folks is overtaking the land. And I hear there's a word of prophecy going around, talking about, you know, this, uh-uh, we need to get rid of them. So they wanted to kill all these babies. So they hid him by faith, it says, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's eating. By faith, Moses, when he grew, when, had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because He was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Amen. In Hebrews 11, God lists the heroes of faith. Y'all know that this is what they call it, the faith hall of fame. God lists the heroes of faith, and included in that list is the name is not mentioned here, but it, it just says Moses' parents. But his mother's name is Jacobed. And she's mentioned here. The name Jacobed looked it up. It means Jehovah is glorious. That's why she got a good name. Yeah. Now, in the eyes of the world, Jacobed was just a hopeless. Hebrew slave in Egypt. You know, they didn't rank high on the totem pole, Hebrews in Egypt. But she raised up a son who shook the entire world. Jacobin raised Moses by faith. Look at it again. Look at verse 23, what it says. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months. They By faith. When God has a huge job to do faith gets the call oh yeah and Matthew 929 says Jesus says this is what Matthew in Matthew 929 Jesus says according to your faith let it be done to you not according to your fame your feelings your fortune your friends but according to to our faith. Now, if you think this is going to be one of them uh, one of those faith-filled words, no, nah, nah, this is not going that way. I'm, let me let you know right now. Okay? If you think this is gonna be, you know, uh Creflo 101 or something like that, this is not, you're in the wrong place for that today. <laughs> okay, just just so just so I can cause, cause quell those things right there up front. The most influential people in the world are mothers of faith. That woman right there, my wife, my former wife, let me tell you something. Her mom, y'all heard me say it, right? Y'all heard me talk about her mother before. Now, I got a mother. My mother's still alive. But, man, Mary Johnson, spell of my line, that woman was, she made an impression on me that has lasted me the rest of my life. And I met her as a young man. Wasn't married yet, and she made an impression on me that it, that it still it was indelible, because she was a woman of faith, a mother, faith-filled mother, and I watched her up close. You know, she wasn't she wasn't faking it. I mean, even when she was older, I never forget when she took me and she got groceries and all this stuff. We was just up Jersey on a visit. We went and got jerseys. I mean, went to uh, got all this stuff from this food center and brought it to the house. I'm like, Mom, what are we doing with all this stuff? she would be bagging up food, getting donations of food from all over the place and be bagging up groceries because when you left service on Sunday, you was leaving with a bag of groceries. You wasn't just leaving out of there with just a good word and an empty stomach. She was she was giving food to folks and all kinds of stuff, just blessing people left and right, giving rides to the, the, the church from the whole neighborhood. She got the whole neighborhood in the car. <laughs> yeah, and mothers like that, um, Make an impression. And then you have the nurturers we talked about earlier. People who, they don't have kids, but they might make a better impression on some of these kids than their parents. That's real. You know, we, we, we've had children here at this church. Uh, their lives have probably changed forever just because they came through here. And because of the, because of the people who touched their, their lives and their heart And the things they learned while they were here. Mothers have a powerful impact on their children by their faith, their display of faith, and even the the ones who ain't born to them, they get to know them like they their mother, and it makes an impact forever. I'm going to talk about five things I want you to see here. we have this morning, and the, and the very first thing I want you to see is what I'm going to call face vision that sees a promise in the word of God. Face vision sees a promise in the word of God. It don't just see it out here in the uh, you know, some in the in the in the library section of, you know, get well and get healthy and and, 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 and do better. Face. Faith's vision sees a promise in the word of God. God's word is full of promises to mothers. Hebrews 11.23, the scripture says in this verse that the parents of Moses saw. You see that in verse 11.23? It says they hid him for three months because they saw. They didn't just think. They didn't just, uh, you know, philosophize that this kid might be a good kid. They saw, and how did they see? You got to remember how uh, scripture was handed down, the oral traditions, and how they were told from uh, the, the, old, the elders to the younger, and so on and so forth. So his parents saw and had a vision of this child being special. It says no ordinary child. The phrase, now some of your Bibles are going to say uh, a proper child or a beautiful child. You'll, you'll see that. It in, in, in de- depends on what, in, in what a Bible verse, like what we call it, translation. There you go. <laughs> I don't know why that slipped my mind. depends on what translation that you're reading. But the phrase a proper child or no ordinary child in this passage means that Moses was a very fitting, beautiful, and very special child. And Moses' parents did not see him through ordinary eyes. Now, every mother thinks their child is beautiful, you know, but this went beyond that. In, in Taylor's translation, not Taylor right there, but in Taylor's actual translation, <laughs> in Taylor's translation says that God had given them an unusual child. Moses' parents saw their child through the eye of faith and through the word of God. They saw that he was a goodly child. No one can have faith apart from the word of God. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The scriptures had prophesied that the children of Israel would be in the land of Egypt for 400 years. And then God would raise a leader to lead them out. This was in their In their minds, in their spirits, in their heart, they're contemplating the word and they're looking at this child that God, the Holy Spirit, has alerted them to that this is no ordinary child. Somehow, as Moses' parents looked upon him, they took the word of God and knew this child was special. It's possible that the spirit of the living God opened the eyes of their understanding. I mean, we we can uh, hypothesize that, but we can't say for sure. But we know none of these kind of things happen. I mean, when prophecy is fulfilled, it's by way of the Spirit. Now, every child, don't get me wrong, every child of God is special. Every child of God has a a wonderful plan laid out for them by the will of God and purpose of God. Every child is, is an object of God's love. Psalms 112, 1 through 2 says, I praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Did you hear that? Their children will be mighty in the land, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. So as parents, if it says the, the generation of the upright shall be blessed, it's talking about the, the seed of the upright. So as parents, we should strive to live a life that's godly before our kids. I mean, at least try, some of y'all. At least try. <laughs> I wasn't the greatest parent in the world. My daughter would tell you, when we was young, oh, we was partying. Or we was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. She'd be in the car. We smoking cigarettes, you know, <laughs> killing the kids. <laughs> got all the kids. Got all the kids in the car. We in there smoking, giving all the kids cancer. <laughs> but it wasn't we must have did something right well I'll tell you when when the Lord finally arrested us it was a change it was a big change when the Lord finally when I know when he arrested me my life changed for good now my wife she wasn't ready right, right away she wasn't ready right away but uh, as as parents living um, I'll never see, I, I can still remember, um, being, being a uh, younger and, you know, I'd be picking my daughter up all the time. That girl did everything, y'all. When I tell you she did everything, she is in everything. She used to wear me out. She was doing, she had jobs. She was in everything. She was in the debate club and this club and that club. Bang. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. This girl did everything. And I was right there, you know, I'd be sitting in the car waiting on her out there, reading my Bible. She'll tell you. And. We put that child in in everything, you know. We had her participating in all kind of stuff, you know. But as parents, we did our best, you know, to make sure that we were exemplifying something that we wanted to to impart into our child. See, children, let me me read this to you. Children must be developed. They not just, they don't just... uh, turn into something by osmosis. They have to be developed. There's a story of this traveler going through, uh, you know, the Middle East, traveling by all these towns and all that stuff, and he come by this one little one little village and he asks, is there anybody great, any great men born in this village? And the dude looked at him and said, no. Nah, ain't nothing born here but babies. He said, See, great men are not born. Great men are developed. You have to raise great men. They don't just get there by osmosis. Children have to be developed. Nobody's born a great person. They have to be made a great person by a mother's prayers and a father's faith and instruction. It takes faith, it takes prayer, and it takes some instruction. You know, some, you know, they don't make a manual, of course, for these kids. They ain't no handbook on how to raise your children. They all different, you know, so. Now I want to talk to you second thing. We talked about uh, faith, how faith views or faith's vision. I want to talk about faith's venture. In Hebrews 11:23. 23, faith's venture turns the promise into action. It's not enough for us to just say that we will trust our children to the Lord and say a prayer over our children, the verb hid in Hebrew eleven twenty three. 23, you say where it's saying by faith they hid Moses. The verb hid in this passage shows us that when Moses' parents had faith that they did something about that faith. They did something about it. True faith must have action in it or it's not faith at all. When Jacobed and Amram, that was the daddy's name, I man for mention the daddy so messenger the Obama when Jacobed and Amram had little Moses, they hid him for three months rather than let the authorities know that this baby boy had been born. Three months. I bet you, we couldn't hide baby Duke in here for 30 minutes. <laughs> three, she hid a newborn. Now that was a miracle that's a miracle all by itself. y'all know how hard it is to have a newborn in the crib and not let nobody know Come, that's a miracle that was God right there I'm trying to tell you man and, and then you know they hid this baby for three months not only did they hide the baby from you know from the authorities you had to hide the baby from the snitching neighbors y'all hear me because these folks had to give up their kids? You got to give up your kid. You got the neighbors hating on you. You know all this stuff going on, and you you know, and you trying to hide this baby. You know, so it gets to the it gets to the point now where now you know the baby's starting to, to, to whine a little bit. Now starting to get three months passing by. They're like, Lord, what we gonna do? We can't keep hiding this baby. They had faith, and they did all they could to spare the life of this child. Jacobed and Amram could have had three responses. One was a, is a fatalistic response. They could have just said, well, whatever will be, will be. They could have just said that they were just trusting in God's will and that if God wanted to spare Moses and that, then he would spare him and if God wanted him to die, then he'd die. This is the same thing as people today, you know, they refuse to go to the doctor when they're sick. You know, instead, they just say, that if God wants them to be healed then they'll be healed. When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 verse 12, now I didn't say this Jesus said it. He said it is that it is not he said it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus said that. He said it's not the healthy that need the doctor. He said it's the sick folk need a doctor. He didn't say you know don't go to a doctor. Some say that they are just going to trust God to feed them. You know, like some folks say, I'm just going to trust God to feed me when I'm hungry. You know, I'm just going to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And now, because, now that's scripture. But 2 Thessalonians, in 3.10, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 also said that the one who, who is unwilling to work shall not eat. It don't mean that you just sit around and pray for, you know, food to fall on your head like ripe cherries off a tree. You know, it means that there has to be some action along with that faith. And then there's, you know, well, let's look at James. I'm going to read that right quick because this is a, this is something if you don't, if you have never written it down, I know y'all, y'all, y'all don't hear. I know because Pastor was talking. She was all up in here like just a couple weeks ago. She was all up in here. She don't miss nothing. James 2. Y'all, Bibles probably fall right to it. (laughs) James two, and we'll read verse seventeen through eighteen. Mark this down. Write it in your margins. You know, be you know, be able to call on this uh, 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 rather quickly. It it says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, "You have faith. I have deeds." Show me your faith without your deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. He said, yeah, you you got faith. And he said, I I hear you got faith. He said, but uh, I, I don't see that you have faith. You know, he said, you show me your faith with no deeds at all? You show me your faith and you ain't doing nothing? He said, and I'll show you my faith exhibited by what I'm doing. You know, he said, you can see it acted out, actually see legs on it moving. Now, then they this, the, a second way they could have acted out, Moses' his parents, you know, I said the first one, the fatalism, just saying, you know, whatever will be will be, you know. They could have did some, something fanatic. They could have acted in fanaticism. They could have taken baby Moses and just thrown him into the Nile and called upon the Lord to take care of him in an effort to show their faith. They could have just took him down there and just pitched him in. Said, Lord, take care of them. You said you take care of them, Lord, take care of our son right there. That's not faith at all. You know, that's not faith. That's like, you know, these folks out here, you know, picking up rattlesnakes. They, you know, in churches now, they in church, you know, snake handling and all kind of crazy stuff and calling it faith. And then when you get bit and die, <laughs> funny but ain't funny. Now you... Now you at the pearly gates trying to explain to Peter how you got up there. (laughs) Snake bit me. You said, no, we didn't tell you to go out there handling snakes. This is the kind of fanaticism that you see. It's like, I think I told the fellas this. I told the fellas this uh, about this missionary. It's a true story about this missionary. He was in Africa, and my man got a, a cab from the airport, and he had to go, like, to some town or something, And he said that the driver didn't have no brakes. And he said when they would come up, you know how them intersections be. Y'all know, when we have the them intersections, man, that's a problem. This dude would come up to one of them intersections, one of them circles with the traffic going crazy. He ain't got no brakes. He would just get to the intersection and go to the traffic. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and rebuke the traffic. Every intersection was a near-death experience. (laughs) <laughs> this man, he riding with this cab driver, man, his life on the line every time they get down the block. This is kind of stuff, it, this is fanaticism. That is not, that's not, that's not realistic faith, that's fanaticism. With the, the, there was a, the, there was one of them, now, I, I don't follow this brother or nothing like that, but there was uh, one of them old faith preachers back in the day, he called it faith, foolishness, and presumption. And that, that's real right there. There's faith. Then there's stuff that's just straight out foolishness. Then there's stuff you're just presuming, you know, that this is supposed to work like this, and it don't. It is only faith. It is only faith that works. It's not other things. Folks think foolishness works. fanaticism works. No, faith works. If we want our children to be mighty for God, then we had better go to work. Faith works. It does stuff. Your children got to see you doing stuff. You can't just put a suit on them and send them down the block to church. You ain't doing nothing at home but sitting back, you know, watching, you know, Wendy or, you know, with your feet up and eating chips and not doing nothing. You never. You ain't reading no scripture. You ain't listening to no gospel. You ain't, you know, nothing. You know, you you got to be doing something. This woman right here, Lakeisha. Her child is off to college. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? I've I've watched her bring all kind of kids through here. <laughs> she bring the grandbabies, everybody through here. She doing something. She doing something. She's sowing a seed. I mean, look at look at, look at Taylor, man. Elisha. I think the first time I seen Elisha and Sarah, Elisha was like, he was little. He was at, at, my, at my baby's apartment in Athens. That, that's how long they, they've been in the family. And you see, you know, Elisha tall now. <laughs> Tail too. <of> two. <laughs> they doing something. Faith does something. It doesn't just, you know, preach at the kids. You got to do something with these kids. Yeah, so... Moses' parents did something for little Moses. They didn't just, you know, didn't just, you know, uh, 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 trust trust that something would happen. They did something. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they won't depart from it. Now, the dictionary meaning of the word training, it means to prepare, to instruct, to drill, to form, to a proper shape, and to discipline for use. Do you hear me? Don't forget that last part right there. You have to discipline for use. So, we do not learn something merely. I know I don't. I don't learn something merely by hearing it talked about. You know, we we gotta be trained. You know, it's like you could go teach a whole class on the anatomical structure of the muscular system, okay? And learn everything about the muscles, anatomically. Where they at, where the lats are, and the, you know, jewelry and all the names, and them. where all these muscles at, you know what I mean? Now somebody, you could anatomically, anatomically, you could learn all that. Somebody could tell you all that, and you could be sitting there looking at a chart. But guess what? Their muscles is useless unless they are strengthened. If their muscles ain't get if they don't get strengthened, if they don't get trained, if they're not strong, then the muscles are useless to you. You have to train up a child in the way that they have to go. You can't just tell them. They have to be strengthened in the word. Strengthened in Christ. It's more than just them watching it. You know, you got to make sure they be about it. Get them up, get them to church. You know, they, we got drug. We got drug to church. We got drug to church all the time. It ain't hurt us. <laughs> so, though we are to teach our children, which you should teach them. Teach them now. Though we are to teach our children, the Bible says that we are also to train them. Real faith is belief with legs on it. There's a difference between training and teaching. There's a difference, the two ain't the same thing. Some people wanna say, yeah, you know, we gotta teach them, yeah, we gotta teach them, and you gotta train them too. We can teach our children, but if we don't train them, someone else will come along and teach them something different. We have to train them until it becomes a part of their lives. You know, that's what you know. You hear people in sports and athletics and things like that. They say they practice not to get it right. They practice so there ain't a chance of them getting it wrong. You have to you have to train to perfection. And usually they say you need to train to your greatest weakness. And they say you know so if when things go haywire, if your weakness has been elevated, then the, the lowest you'll decrease to that elevated level, okay? So you train these kids, you bring them up a level. You bring them up, you bring them up. And you train them, and trust me, things are coming. Oh, that the the, the kids are going to experience things in their life. But you know what? When you train those children, and they go through those challenges, they're going to come back to the Lord. My daughter lost her mind. Now, I know y'all think y'all passed the perfect, but she lost her mind when she got to college. Oh, yeah, she she lost her mind when she got to school. But then she has told y'all about her road to Damascus experience where God arrested her. You know, and and look at her now. That child was trained in the way she was supposed to go. And and, and there's something, I I, I need to say this too, because this is a a real thing, y'all. You know, people think you can't look at your children and know when they're young that there's something. But I know how they knew that there was something special about Moses. I knew it about my daughter when she was young. Y'all heard me say it before. It was evident, you know, that God was going to use this young lady for something. I mean, this is a young girl when she was little, she was in middle school, like, praying for her teachers, counseling teachers, marital problems. They coming to her, pulling this child out of class. They come and get her. Uh, could, you, could we speak to Miss uh, little Miss Durham out of class right here? <laughs> Could you escort her down to my down to my classroom she get down there ain't nobody in the class but the teacher, and the teacher thanked the other one and ain't going about to bend in and now this girl sitting up here you know and the teacher no, I just don't know what to do with my daughter's praying for the teachers, you know, I'm like, Lord have mercy, kids wanted to shun her because she always talking about Jesus yeah now you know that that's something special about that child and She would always steal my books, you know, like all my little theology books. And this girl would get them and have them, and she would be studying them. She wasn't playing. I'm like, yeah. And she always had a a thing about oratory skills. I mean, it's just like she didn't have them until she get in front of a mic, and then she get in front of a mic. And I took her to a thing. I forget it was one of these historical brunching things for students, and she had to go down there and do some speech. Car broke down on the way. We had to catch Marta. We all dressed up on Martyr. <laughs> we had to catch we had, car, car broke down. We had to get we had to get back on martyr and ride back home and get in the hoopty and head on downtown. <laughs> sure did. I can tell you stories. But yeah, you can see things in your in your child. And a mother will believe them and encourage them. You know, a mother can see things in their in their child that nobody else can see. You know, she know, and she'll tell you, nah, it ain't all you think. You know, you're thinking of something else. Mom will tell you the truth. Yeah, so So we talked about the importance of teaching your child and training them and until those, those things become a part of their life. So we talked about face vision, face venture, face valor, and uh, we're going to talk about, oh, face, face vision, face venture, we're going to talk about face valor, the courageousness. The king had said that the little boy babies were to be killed. But Moses' parents were not afraid of the king's command. In verse 23, they hid that baby because the king's edict came out and said, kill these children. Moses' family lived during dangerous days. We live in dangerous times. You know, so 2 Timothy 3.1 says that perilous times are coming. It tells us about perilous times. There's only two times in scriptures the word is used. One time in the New Testament, and it's translated exceedingly fierce, and that's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And then here, we are living in exceedingly fierce days. We got, man, liberalism don't even begin to explain what's going on in some of these churches right now. You know, and we're fortunate here that people have been educated how to spot a healthy, well-balanced church because and it's, it's, it's really, it really, you have to, the only way you can spot it, the only way you can spot it is if you um, study scripture and know what Jesus said, what a healthy, well-balanced church is. You know, a church that displays love Unity amongst the brethren, how they love each other. A church that disciples people. A church where God is worshiped. That's important. You know, <clears throat> I told you, I've been to some, I've been to all kinds of churches. And it's important that in these days, we understand the importance of having our children in a church where they can grow, where the right seeds are planted in these children. You can't have your children going to some crazy church where they teaching some crazy stuff, and the kids ain't growing. They don't preach the gospel, and you got them kids up in that church. They can't even tell you why they up in there. The parents don't know why they up in there. We should have our children in Bible preaching churches that are Christ honoring and solid foundationally, that take a stand for faith. In the in 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 the uh, New Living Test well. That's another translation of the New Living Testament. Jude 1, 3, it says, Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. We should never put our kids in churches that don't believe the Bible is the inerrant word, that does not believe that Jesus Christ is virgin born, the son of God, that does not believe the blood atonement of Christ, or that does not believe in the second coming of Jesus. What your kids doing up in a church like that? Y'all think I'm just ranting and raving, but I'm telling you this church is out here just like that. You know, we're a little spoiled here. You know, pastor had to take things to another level to y'all. That stuff's like milk for y'all. But for other folks, the gospel's like brand new. They they have they, these kind of things. They're not even preaching. It's just like, you know, they just go in there and just start talking about anything. And it's terrible, but this is what's happening. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that, but I'll, I'll talk about this. We got our moral sex education is now being taught in these schools, all right? And... All this craziness that goes on on the internet with social media, the craziness that kids have to deal with in school. Man, we was talking to Elijah when we was out, man, and the kind of stuff he had to deal with in school, kids tripping on him, man, because this this, this is a good kid. You know, and he was telling us, man, about remember he was telling us about the kind of stuff he's dealing with. You know, these kids have to deal with some stuff these days, man. It ain't like it was when we was going to school. You know, because when we was going to school, you know, people didn't talk a whole lot about stuff. Yeah, they ain't talk about a lot of stuff, you know, and you know, they, you get up and you salute the flag and say the Pledge of Allegiance, and they teach you some teach you some stuff they think you should know. They call it education most of it lies, but I ain't gonna just say it. <laughs> they just teach you a bunch of stuff and indoctrinate you, you know. Now, when we went to um, when we went to phys, phys ed, you know we learned a little stuff, I mean, about personal hygiene and stuff like that, but they straight in there talking about, you know, mommy got another mommy, or two, I got two daddies. And, yo, they they talking about stuff that we would never, we've never talked about. These kids are under attack today like never before. It's different now. And if you don't have these kids grounded foundationally in the truth, if you're not grounded in the truth, how are you going to teach it to them? See, we have to be able to stand up in a difficult time. It takes courage to stand up in a difficult time. It's called courage because you're standing up when there's a time of danger, when there's an element of danger there where there's a time you could take a loss. Courage is not displayed, you know, by you tiptoeing through the tulips. How brave you got to be to go to the to the flower show. Oh, you real brave. Real brave. Go preach to some of them heathens. My daughter used to go up in, 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 in auditoriums full of these folks, man, from all kind of sororities and stuff like that, and preach about Christ and how these things militate against the gospel. And every devil in hell would be in there trying to come against her. And see, I used to have to pray because, you know, I'm telling you, I wasn't always the person you see today. You know, I had to pray, man, because y'all know I'm protective of that girl, man. I will come down there with a gun so fast. And a man, you, I'm trying to tell you. I used to have to pray, and my daughter would be like, "Nah, mommy, don't tell daddy. Don't tell, don't tell daddy, because daddy get upset. You treat the treat daughter all crazy. Yeah, but, you know, she, she actually would display courage. But that came from somewhere. It doesn't just start, like, in the moment. It has to come from somewhere. You have to be grounded in something. So I was going to say a whole lot about sexual immorality and all that, but I, I think I've said enough about that. The fact that what these kids see on social media and all this other stuff, man, you know, it, it, it's crazy. I talked to a lot. Remember, we was talking about drill music. And um, I'm talking a lot about your son today, <laughs> Me and your son be having some conversations. But but yo, and now we, we was talking about, you know, drill music in that culture and what's going on in the, you know, the clout chasing that these kids are doing out here. Kids that ain't even about that life. They out here getting killed because they pretending to be something that they're not. So they out here, you know, they all on Instagram and social media portraying this life and I got these guns and I'm all hard and everything. They ain't nothing like that. This kid ain't never been a part of a you know, a, a gang and nothing. You know, he go to Sunday school and all this, but next thing you, you know, you, sh- you, you he show up on social media, somebody done shot this boy and killed him because of the life he was portraying on social media. There's grown folks doing the same thing out here clout chasing, and this stuff get them killed. And this music, this drill music, man, this, di- I never, I'm, I'm a, y'all know, I came up in hip-hop culture. I love hip-hop, all right, but this ain't hip-hop. They bragging, <laughs> Remember, we was talking about this. I actually seen a video of this dude bragging about killing these dude. Not only was he bragging about it, he was out there in the cemetery dancing on their graves. He shot the video. Now, now, when his family sees that, when his family sees that, you think they're going to want to come up and congratulate him? People are going to want to kill him. A lot of this music of that culture is gang culture, and a lot of it is retaliatory gang deaths happening behind it because people are making songs about how they murdered somebody's family member, murdered somebody's son, murdered somebody's uncle, murdered somebody's cousin, and they're putting it in a video and bragging about it. Like, well, walk down the block, blow your brains out, and make a song about it that night. This is what's happening, people, and our kids are being exposed to this kind of stuff every day. Every day. Me and Pastor, and she was like, Daddy, you ought to preach something or teach something about. It. I'm like, I'm like, baby. I'm just. I was talking to Elijah about this. It wasn't I me. Mean, we was all in the truck talking about this, and this is the kind of stuff these kids are dealing with. The challenges are real. These kids have to display valor in the face of serious danger. There's things that could happen to them at a moment. We need to constantly pray for our children. So I've talked about. Face vision, face venture, face valor. I'm going to talk about face victory. Jacobed hid Moses for three months. When they could no longer hide the baby, they made a waterproof ark for the baby and placed him in the bulrushes in the Nile River. Like I said, they didn't just go throw the kid in. They did everything they could. Moses' big sister Miriam was standing off on the side of the Nile. Now look at God how he's arranging all of this. You know, he got Moses' sister off on the side because they praying now and they trusting God going to take care of this baby. Y'all know how hard this is? This is a three-month child of yours, three-month-old baby. And you know that if you keep the baby, they're going to kill the baby. But if you put the baby in the river and send the baby, there's a chance the baby may die anyway. So you're like, I got to trust. God said he's going to take care of this child. I got to trust that God is going to take care of this child So every she weaving that basket and putting that thing together and putting pitch in there. The whole time you know this woman is praying, Lord, let this ark protect this child and get him down this this stream safe. And you're putting the child in the Nile River. We ain't talking about the Chattahoochee, okay? There's things that can eat anything out there in a moment's notice. Chattahoochee ain't got crocodiles and hippopotamus running all through there. Serious. This is a real danger. Now, just so happens, as chance would have it, y'all know I don't believe in no chance or no just would have it. God arranges everything. There ain't no such thing as chance. God is in control of it all. So just so so just so just happened that Miriam had to be standing. Moses' sister was standing off to the side watching. Pharaoh's daughter, accompanied by an honorage, came to the Nile to bathe. Now, now listen to this. She came to the Nile to bathe. Man, this woman lives in the palace. They got baths up there, man, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> they got baths up there, man, to make some of these swimming pools and hot tubs look, look real ridiculous. This woman, she got the palace to bathe in, But for some reason, just by chance, she came down to the muddy Nile River. Maybe she, you know, she was thinking about her childhood when she'd come down to the river and they'd have a play day and play in the river. <laughs> so maybe she had that on her mind. But for some reason, she came down to the river that day, didn't she? And it just so happened while she down here with her entourage, this little baby comes floating by in a little basket, starts crying. At that moment. Baby was quiet all this other time. Yeah. Baby ain't made a sound. But just by chance, <laughs> just by chance, all of a sudden, the baby baby starts crying right on cue. And they send, her, they send somebody out to get the baby. And the woman looked at that baby and like, oh, this, this child is beautiful. She's like, oh, this child is beautiful. And she was like, we, we can't kill this baby. We got to take care of this baby. Let's take this baby back to the pal- palace. And then she was like, but what? I, I don't. I can't feed this baby. How am I going to feed this child? Do you think there's someone? Ask Miriam now. Do you think there's someone that could take care of this child for me? Miriam was like, you know what? I know somebody. I just seen her over there. <laughs> Goes right and gets Jacobin. Go and gets the man's mama. Go and gets the baby's mama. And not only did she go get him, you know what she said? Not only did she go get him, she told him, I'm going I'm, she said, Listen, could I pay you to take care? Paid her. Told her she was going to pay her to take care of her own child. Won't God do it? Won't God do it? Don't tell me He won't do it. We need to believe God and trust God. We must be parents of faith day after day. Hear a little. Very little, as it says in Isaiah 28, 28 and 10. Now let's talk about face values as we moving on. Face values endure when the parents have departed. Did you hear me? Even when the parents are gone, faith values, they stay around. We see in our world today a great battle over values. There's a, there's a huge battle, battle over values. Moses had an incredible value system. It was embedded in him by his mother. Moses could have been the king of Egypt. The king. Y'all hear me? He was in line to be the first to be the next pharaoh. But he refused it. He refused it to be called he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He's like I don't want to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused power, possessions, and position. How does value system work? It says he esteemed. On one side were the treasures of Egypt. On the other side were the glories of Jesus. He knew that if he decided to go the way of Egypt, then he would have power, possessions, and prestige. He knew it. He could be sitting on top. He knew that he would have he would have Jesus if he decided otherwise. He esteemed Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt. It is foolish to try to get children to make a decision unless they have something to decide. Unless we have shown them the riches of Jesus. You got to give them something to choose. You know, that was like, you. what was that lady? Nancy Reagan. Just say no. You ain't give them nothing to say yes to. I mean seriously. <laughs> you want me to say no to drugs, but what am I saying yes to? You want me to say no to crime, but it ain't no jobs. You know, it's it's more than just it's more than just saying, do this. You got to give them a choice. They have to see the riches of one so they can look at the value of the other. So they can do the comparison. Christ, God, eternity, here temporary stuff, you know? You have to look at, I mean, so that's how Moses' value system worked. It's foolish, like I said, it's foolish to try to get a child to decide unless we show them the riches of Christ. Moses chose. When Moses had first esteemed, he then chose Jesus. He refused. Number one, in order to go the way of He refused in order to go the way of Jesus. He had to leave the way of Egypt. To go the way of Christ, he had to leave the way of of Egypt. He refused in order to choose. Okay? He had to refuse to make the choice. Moses was educated. He was skilled in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And Acts 27, says exactly that. Moses was educated and skilled in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Jacobed, his mother, put something in his heart that all the teachers in Egypt could not take away. You hear me? It's like when I was talking about my mother-in-law. His mom that was getting paid, that was supposed to dispose of this child was supposed to get rid of him, was rocking him to sleep, singing those hymns, talking about, you know, the the Hebrew culture, talking about Israel, talking about his people, handing down prophecies and all the teachers. That's how it was oral tradition. And that's how she's handing this stuff down to him and talking. She's singing this kid to sleep with this. She put something in that kid that all the education, the riches and wealth, all the women and everything, nothing in Egypt could take it out of that man's heart. We often tell our children, "Don't do this," or don't do that." but what are we giving them that's better? You know that's just a real question. What are we giving them that's better? What have we shown them? If we try to take a nasty bone away from a dog, you might get bit. I'm telling you, you might see a, a nasty old bone been rolling in the dirt, and your dog's trying to get it. And you might try to take that bone away from that dog. You know what? You might get bit. But, man, you throw a steak down there, and that dog see that bone, and he see that steak. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about that nasty bone no more. <laughs> you know, choices, man. We have to show our children the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to show him the beauty of the kingdom, the beauty of holiness, the value of eternity. We're not just talking about, you know, some temporary stuff. A Maybach's temporary. You know, jewelry is temporary. You know, your clothes, your body, your life, physically, it's temporary. Everything around you is dying. All of these things are passing away. It is only what you do for the Lord that will last forever. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord lasts forever. Moses, and I'm wrapping up. Moses said that he did not want Egypt, but that he was going God's way. Moses had parents of faith. Are you a parent of faith? Are you trusting God and not just trusting him, but showing your kids some things? That's, a you know, a question I don't even have to ask in here. I'm amazed at these parents in here. You know, they bring them kids. She to bring her kids to church. To bring her kids to church. Them kids come here. You know, this sister right in her back. Them babies is here. Them babies is here. Harmony, baby right there. (laughs) Serenity right there. (laughs) You know, and and and, and it might seem like a small thing. It might seem minor. But I'm a grown man right now, and I still remember being like three years old, sitting up in this big church with, y'all know Fincher, y'all know Reggie, with his mother. His mother used to take, and I would fall asleep in her lap. I wasn't paying no attention or nothing, but I remember it still to this day because I was amazed at how big the church was and all that. I remember that stuff still right now. There are things, with, things in me that I learned from godly mothers that will stay with me the rest of my life. You have to train up your child in the way you want them to go. Now I'm going to read something right quick, and I'm going to wrap up with this. I really wasn't trying to go this long, but I thought talking about our mothers was was important. Now, I want to read something to you called, What is a Mother? By Fred Cruz, F-R-E-D, that's his first name, and then the last name Cruz, K R U S (laughs) C. And it says, uh... Somewhere between the youthful energy of a teenager and the golden years of a woman's life, there lives a marvelous and loving person known as Mother. A mother is a curious mixture of patience, kindness, understanding, discipline, industriousness, purity, and love. A mother can be at one and the same time, both lovelorn counselor to a heartsick daughter and a head football coach to an athletic son. A mother can sew the tiniest stitch in the material for that dainty prom dress, and she is equally experienced in threading through the heaviest traffic with a station wagon. A mother is the only creature on earth who can cry when she's happy, laugh when she's heartbroken, and work when she's feeling ill. A mother is as gentle as a lamb and as strong as a giant. Only a mother can appear so weak and helpless and yet be the same one who puts the fruit jar lid on so tight dad can't even get it off. (laughs) A mother is a picture of helplessness when dad is near in a marvel of resourcefulness when he when she's all alone a mother has the angelic voice of a member in the celestial choir as she sings brahms lullaby to a babe held tight in her arms yet this same voice can dwarf the sound of an amplifier when she calls her boys for dinner get in here boy <laughs> i've heard just her mom Oh, I used to hear my mom blocks away. She'd be calling me, Rock! <laughs> She'd call me Rock, Rock! <laughs> then you know how your boys start clowning you, Rock! <laughs> <laughs> That's like that dude, remember that, what was that, that dude, his name was Jesus? You've seen that, in, in that basketball, that basketball movie? His name was Jesus, and his wife opened the window, calling him, Jesus! Jesus! They say, man, your mom up there catching the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. A mother has the fascinating ability to be almost everywhere at once. And she alone can somehow squeeze an enormous amount of living into an average day. A mother is old-fashioned to her teenager and just mom to her third grader and simply mama to her little two-year-old sister. But there is no greater thrill in life than to point to that wonderful woman and be able to say to all the world, that's my mother. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you, Lord God, for this time. Father, thank you for mothers. Thank you, Father God, for the strength, the faith, the valor, the vision, the venture, the victory in our mothers, Lord God. Thank you Father God for how you use them to encourage how you use them Lord God to press upon the youth under them Lord to be more than they think they have envisioned themselves to be. Thank you Father God that they instruct us in the way of Christ. Thank you for the mothers Lord God who have taught in things that have indelibly impacted our soul forever. Father, we thank you for all the mothers who have gone on, leaving a legacy behind, Lord God, for the ones who are here, for those who aspire to be mothers, Lord God, for there is no higher calling, Lord God, than a faith-filled mother who will impact these children and this world for Christ and for the glory of God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.